0: Well, good morning from London and welcome to this FS Club webinar. Today, we're talking about emerging Central and South Asian tech hubs, the Indonesian and Malaysia hubs of 10 years ago. It's going to be a heck of a broad survey. And we have with us uh, Henry Tillman, who's the founder and the editor of China Investment Research uh, at Gristens Peak Services. Henry's a a regular almost on these webinars, uh, but also as an attendee, so a vibrant member of our community. Now, you know me, I'm Michael Minelli, I am one of the directors of ZN, and it really is a privilege to introduce so many of these webinars, and I can only do so thanks to the tolerance and generosity of our various sponsors, whom you can see here. All of them allow us to range widely and freely across technology, economics, and finance. And today, as we're going to be looking at the digital Silk Road, we are going to be ranging quite widely across technology, economics, and finance. Now, my job is to get out of the way as quickly as possible and let you hear from our expert, uh, Henry. Henry's going to talk a little bit longer than usual, an extra five minutes or so, because there's a tremendous amount of content, a lot of regions to cover, and a lot of concepts to get across. But we still have 15 minutes for questions and answers. So if I can uh, take care of three elements of housekeeping. Uh, Firstly, uh, this is being recorded, and the recording will be up in approximately two working days. So that will be sometime Wednesday, I hope. Uh, There are no slides for this one, Henry is holding on to the slides, and I I think you'll see why. Um, And thirdly, uh, please do use the GoToWebinar Q&A facility uh, on the screen there. I am here with you, so I will only get your signals, WhatsApps, WeChats, uh, emails and texts after we've come off, and that won't do us much good because we'd really like to have your comments, questions and observations. So put them into the GoToWebinar. Q&A facility, and I will feed them into a conversation uh, with Henry at 11.30. So with uh, no more ado, I'd like to start to hand over to Henry, as I said, founder and editor of China Investment Research at Kristen's Peak Services, who's going to walk us through these emerging tech hubs. Henry, the floor is yours.
1: Thank you very much. Just a second. Uh... Thank you very much, everyone. Um, and this is, we have a lot of slides and very little time to get through them, but at a high level, what this actually is, is a look at the phase two of the Digital Silk Road. The first phase of that Digital Silk Road was actually the laying of the cables. The second phase of the Digital Silk Road is what you're seeing with all the technology investment in these hubs, these important countries. And uh, what I found interesting of this is that most of the investment, as you will soon see in all these pages in all these countries, is actually coming from international investors and not from, led by Chinese investors. So, without further ado, first page is to show you how these, the, um, the Central and Asian, Central Asian and South Asian hubs have a long way to go to catch their friends already in South, Southeast Asia. Singapore now at 60 billion, that was a few weeks ago, that's before the grab. Possible 40 billion SPAC reversal. Indonesia at 35 billion, uh, and that's also before the recent merger between Tokopedia and Gojek, which is 18 billion. And then you see the Malaysia with 4 billion. Um, you see the top line across as unicorns, and you see the low, la, line below of yet to be unicorns. So this is what it looks like today. It did not look like this 10 years ago or 20 years ago which is why we want to show you how it looks today and what could happen in these other markets. The first of the markets is Kazakhstan. Uh, I'm not going to go through each of these lines because it's just too much information, but the, this if you will the focus on the first and the last of the bullet points. The first bullet point is obviously it's the center of Eurasia, so ideal location. Uh, the second piece is uh, the increased rail traffic because of COVID. It, it's exploded in the late 2020, And even in Q1 2021, it's up another 37%. So, originally, when they built this, so people understand there were 11 11 trains crossing between China and Europe uh, 10 years ago. And now you're looking at a 15,000 run rate for this year. That's the the, uh, increase of flows and the importance, therefore, of Kazakhstan and rail traffic. AIFC, again, is a center. uh, You'll find this on the web, so I won't spend much time on this. Simply to say this is important. um financial center built uh, as you'll see early in this in the process again designed for, a, design for the, a regional a regional hub uh AIX is the next to form which was the AIX stock exchange it over it took over from the KSE stock exchange the ownership of that as you see is involving Shanghai stock exchange and you'll also see the silk road fund from China and you'll also see Goldman Sachs so you see roughly 34% of this uh, is for strategic partnerships, all with international investors. Yep. Um, we talk about highlights on the next page. Um, you see, I'd say the two I want to draw, three I guess I want to draw to people's attention. Number one is the Caspi IPO, which is extraordinary, actually. So that IPO last year at $6.5 the it trebled in value. It's now worth $19 billion. It's the second largest of the year last year, fourth in all of Europe. A huge success. So well done, Kazakhstan, and well done. Caspi with more room to run. The second to call out is the CCB a standard branch of the um, of the r and b listing um, both in AIX and also in Hong Kong Stock Exchange. a huge success and r- it's the first Chinese uh, RM;B denominated bond in that region. Uh, again a huge a huge success which then led on if you will to follow in in how that's going to be a clearing mechanism for AIX uh, in the belt and the belt road market. And not, and also to be at least highlighted is also the, the green bond issuance uh, last year. I need to keep moving. Um, on this page, I don't want to go through everything on it. Simply to show you, uh, this is mergers, domestic mergers with few exceptions. The second bullet point, 18, is a purchase, an inbound purchase from China. Farther down, you'll see an inbound purchase in 2019 from Singapore. Yes, and um, so they're opening up not only domestically, but also internationally. The same is true in 2020 and 2021. The largest transactions in the region uh, actually just closed in April 21. Nova Resources is out of uh, Holland. So again, these pages you see uh, international investment coming in to uh, on the corporate side in Kazakhstan, not just IPOs. On the VC side, I, I'm a bit embarrassed here because we have asked for help from Kazakhstan and we can't, we couldn't find all this data. Um, but at least you see a little bit of movement on seven, 15, 16, 17. Again, this is pre AIX or AIFC. You've seen some movement in 18 and 19 and much more movement in 20 and 21. I think it's worth pointing out that what you do see here is also um, superseders, seed, seed stars is USA, Skybridge USA, Quest Venture Singapore, a Global uh, V Fund, you see farther down is also Singapore. So again, uh, Quest Ventures also Singapore. So again, you see, while it's domestically, it's, it's also attracting a great deal of international attention. I, I would say in Kazakhstan, unlike the others here, there is no angel uh, network of any size at this point. So that's a bit of a hamper to feed into the VC world and therefore to feed into those IPOs yet. Moving quickly to Uzbekistan, this is a star in the last couple of years, and it will be even more a star going forward. Um, in terms of connectivity, um, you see Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan have signed a deal for high-speed rail connecting the two countries together, really to promote tourism, and also jobs along, along those two, uh, the two countries. Um, there's also a link now, a farther link between Uzbekistan farther into China, and then also, that's also go through link. Ultimately, we'll go through links in most of the stands through Afghanistan into Pakistan as well, which then leads into the last piece, which is Uzbekistan links to Pakistani ports. So you have high-speed rail, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. You have linked rail from China all the way to Uzbekistan. And then you have use of ports, Uzbekistan to Pakistani ports. It's highly likely those ports become, a, uh, especially Gwadar, to become a key regional port for the whole area. Attracting global attention. um, This is quite a success story in terms of international debt markets. The first deal in February 2019 was a billion dollar dual tranche 10 year. It was oversubscribed four times. What a story. And then uh, then you see three others in 19, 20 and 20. And then again, in the end of 2020, you see a dual tranche. One is international tranche 10 years and once a domestic summer gun bond, which is uh, to do things like this, is means the markets are love what you're doing, or else they really hot markets, are both. But both of these are huge successes and, and really it's they deserve a shout out. Uzbekistan um, has attracted a lot of attention from AIIB, and again, for clarity, AIIB is owned 26% by China, the other 74% by 100 other partners, so it's not. It may be China-led, but it's not a Chinese bank. It's a multilateral bank. You see four different facilities from Uzbekistan last year to AIIB. And I might add that AIIB um, is also linked this year to one of the two major sources of funding to government debt uh, deficit in Kazakhstan. That's AIIB and ADB. It's uh, together will have committed to, if you will, close that uh, deficit. So, again, AIB is also, is again, into Kazakhstan as well as is into Uzbekistan. This is a great story. This is EBRD. There's no reason to read all this. It's just basically showing you the different ways they've been helpful, except if you look at line four of, of second bullet point. So far, EBRD has invested roughly $2 billion. Euros in 85 projects in Uzbekistan, and we consider that we can see, see that growing uh, per year. As you see, the bottom bullet point in January 2020, they did 5 uh, 576 million alone in, in, uh, in 2019. So EBRD will continue to, to drive uh, investment uh, across debt and equity, I believe. Fintech, um, unlike the other markets, this is really nascent. Uh, there's no, It's currently a very small. Only 7% of the population use online purchases for bills in 2019. There are a couple players at the top. We'll show you about later. Uh, e-commerce really hasn't yet to develop, and uh, the revenues to date have not been great. Here are a few of the players. Uh, PayMe and Click are two of the biggest players, With Humo also there, um, there or thereabouts. Building a dig- digital wallet. So if you look, again, this is fintech only, very light on e- e-commerce, virtually non-existent on medtech, agtech, or um, um, uh, edtech. It, it is attracting investment funds, however, just like, just like, uh, just like uh, Kazakhstan. So there's three funds already, including a VC fund in Uzbekistan. Um, again, these are regional funds. From um, and as well as from Singapore, which you'll see is invested throughout the region. Um, on the uh, on the Uzbekistan stock exchange, um, you could see how it developed from 1994. You could see it was in the headed towards by 2020, where the Koreans wanted to take control of of the stock exchange. That did not happen, and instead um, the government began to focus on how they can improve the, uh, the f- uh, functionality of the exchange by wiring it, uh, although I think Korea started that process. Um, and from that, um, you see uh, there also, there's been lax- lack of liquidity. Uh, this is designed for a, a large number of use um, of domestic privatizations. I think the same is true within Kazakhstan, which has been discussing a similar program for quite a long period of time. It just takes a period of time to be able to do these, as you know, from what's happened in the UK and other places around the world, which have gone through a series of these privatizations. It just takes time. Um, I also, just one last piece on Uzbekistan, which I didn't put in here. Uh, Uzbekistan on, on m in the last few years, um, there have been six transactions of decent size um, in there. Um, and they have all involved international parties, so this has not been sort of, if you will, a lockdown of of just pure China. Despite China's assistance into growing Uzbekistan's um, in, in, across many industries, so the first is uh, TBC Bank in Georgia bought Payme. Nestle bought a domestic company in um, in Uzbekistan. A Chinese company bought a a, a, a trucks company in Uzbekistan, an Omani company invested in two two of the largest shopping malls in Tashkent, a Singapore company invested in a wholesale distribution of textiles, and a UK company sold some of its businesses to a local player. So as you can see, almost all of these transactions have been, if you will, international parties. I might also just note that in terms of of investment parties, um, earlier this year, a billion dollar fund was established between the USA Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan to invest in the country, including venture capital. So again, that, that's not all Chinese lead. In fact, there's very little Chinese lead in that. The last thing I just told you was really just is USA. So you can see that there's a, that there's this huge misperception that China is dominating these, uh, these investments in these foreign markets. The next gets much more interesting. This is the one, um, if you talk to people in Singapore, or Indonesia, this is the this is the view that Bangladesh is the next is the next Indonesia. So to give you some idea of where this started, I, I couldn't put all that, the data. I just thought I'd give you some some histograms. But it started back as early as 16, and the four invest there are four deals that that year. One was led by India, one by Japan, one by Indonesia, one in 2017 led by Indonesia. Yes, on the venture capital side. You see the flows. Uh, Maybe I should talk about just one second. I should talk about 19 and 20, 18, 19. So 18, there were were nine investments and these were led from Singapore, USA, Australia, USA. Uh, uh, Half of these at least were foreign. In 2019 of the eight, it was led by India, USA, Indonesia, USA, Singapore, and UK. Um, In 2020, Austria, Portugal, Dubai and 2021, Dubai and USA. So as you can see, a lot of those are really um, driven by foreign foreign investment. The same is true in corporate transactions, just briefly. Uh, In 2016, uh, that was led by Malaysian and Japanese company in in that corporate deal in in, uh, a large telecom deal. 2017, it was by France. 2018 is China, Germany. And Japan, the largest transaction to date was the Japanese uh, purchase of a, a local tobacco company. In 2019, um, it was Japan, again, and Germany. And in 2020, we see UK twice, uh, one by CDC and one by Unilever, and one, uh, one, by Bangladesh, uh, one, one domestic by Bangladesh. And in 2021, so far, it is just China. So again, keeping consistent, being consistent with what we're saying, uh, the, the activity does involve domestics, it, uh, but it also is not leaning, It's not uh, dominated by China. In fact, China is a small player in each of these numbers. There's the corporates we just talked about. Stock exchange, similar to, farther along in the process, but similar to Uzbekistan. This is uh, it's the second largest in, in, in South Asia. I think I'd like to put you down to the third from the bottom, though. Fourth from the bottom, it's the best performance since last year, up 21% for the year. And third from the bottom, where it's still the fourth largest PE ratio. So I think that's uh, um, I think says uh, that says a lot in terms of future upside. Um, sorry, um, Pakistan startups. Sorry. Um am I sure I am sorry, but not sure. I'm still lost I
0: got, got a camera. Yeah, it seems to have frozen a little bit, Henry. Um but I, I I'd suggest you just uh, plow on.
1: Thank you, I've lost the camera. Okay, thank you very much. So thank you thank you, Michael. On on to Pakistan, see startups, you see there, it's at 2018, they're a little behind uh, Bangladesh, but I could as you see, uh, in 2018, they already started the flow. If you look again from West, uh, UK, Sweden, uh, UK again, and if you look again at Series A, you see bigger players from China and also from Dubai. Yes, um, in 2020, 2019 financings, you see, I might also add in 2018, you see larger corporate plays Two major from China, one from uh, Sweden, and one from San Francisco. And then in 2019, um, we see you see it on the page, you see the number of investments that, again, are from Pakistan, but also attract the interest, again, from the region, from Oman. Um, there, again, the flows you see from 18, 19, and 20. And I think it's important to know that 20, with the COVID, it still shows uh, significant growth. A PSX um important stock exchange also is is shown really tremendous growth. So you've seen um the, the Chinese early uh, in terms of buying stake, it's also a twenty percent stake buy levels. 4%. Okay. Uh, Michael, I've used. Andrew, Andrew, I we continue?
0: Andrew, we can see your slides, super. They're they're, they're looking very good. And uh, obviously, you're losing a bit of bandwidth. So uh, Peter's turned off the webcam, but we can see the Pakistan PSX slide, uh, and we've got audio. Thank so you very much. Keep going.
1: Thank you very much, Thank you. So to continue, um, you see the the middle of the slide, which shows the ownership of the Pakistan Exchange, exchange and you also see the fact that we're. Four Chinese appointed to the board uh, towards the end of seven and the middle of seventeen, and also the focus was then on to follow up on on SMEs uh, to follow. Here are the flows of 15 through 20. Here's the pipeline through 2021, 20, and uh, like the other markets, this has been very hot. I I would say I, it's my understanding that for the first time, a Chinese domestic Chinese renewable company, Three Gorges, is also supposed to uh, to IPO sometime this year in Pakistan, um, which should be a first. Then mm-hmm. we move to um, Sri Lanka, which is also a very hot stock exchange. Uh, let's start with mentioning first. They started a bit earlier back in 2010 with us uh, trying to build a people like Angel Network by 2012, by 2012 It was then picked up by 17 and then really you used a government move to build the first digital VC fund in Sri Lanka in 2017, and then an actual angel fund in 2020. And then in 2021, the governments agreed to focus on how to build the tech, tech ecosystem. So unlike many these countries, this has a full component of government assistance, local um, local angel network, and outreach to other countries, in particular, in angel form, Singapore, Malaysia, China, and Zealand, Hong Kong, and Korea, in, in, in that broad angel network, which will then feed into the uh, down the road. So there are currently there are five different funds, if you will, seeding, seeding these uh, these investments. Um, yeah. Some of these are quite small still, as you can see there, uh, two or five million uh, transaction sizes. Uh, and there are actually a couple of pre-p funds also active in, in this area. Those will ultimately find their way into, uh, into the stock exchange. Stock, uh, Columbus Stock Exchange itself is um, is of uh, South Asia. Um, you see, it's uh, it, only, it, it hit also needs to be restructured. Process of being restructured. It's capital from Scandinavian countries. Um, it was nowhere there. Uh, it has not. you really developed a debt securities trading operation at, at this point in time. Um, like you see, another region, regional stock exchanges. It was up 10.5 percent last year. Um, it, it hugely successful. Um, that's just last year alone. Uh, and you see the turnovers way up as it builds uh, interest among investors at all different levels within within Sri Lanka. And, of course, the digitizing this to, in order to increase flows um, as these things actually do come to market. In 2021 to date, um, you see it's up 25% already in the month of January alone. And you see the gains is already produced. And if you look at the the IPOs done to date, you see the first one, an individual power, a regional power producer, a renewables power producer, it was three eight times oversubscribed, and, and uh, it was done in three weeks. So um, just as you see in the other places, they're they're doing the best they can to make these exchanges, uh, they make these exchanges much more user friendly. Uh, you then see a writing service, which is not surprising to these places that you'd see in Singapore, Malaysia, and then you see also the uh, the most recent one notified here at the end of April, which again is, is uh, oversubscribed. So the market's really red hot, and we think that's going to be uh, continuing throughout the year. So again, you have five countries, five exchanges at various different levels of development. Um, none are controlled by any other outside party. They all have outside indiv- outside investors. Um all are attracting capital from uh, various different parties around the world from four different continents. Um, and all are, are uh, designed to be um, useful in privatizations, which they uh, they need they all need to if uh, you affect in the next couple of years. Now, uh, where does that fit into the next level? Because just after, so we did Indonesia, Malaysia, um, uh, Singapore. We probably could throw in Thailand and Vietnam in that place. So those are the next five we see, and then we see after that these five again because they're all connected along the Digital Silk Road. So we see UAE, Egypt, Saudi, Bahrain, etc. And you could see these markets in terms of VC are already attracting. More capital um, already. in the larger markets, obviously, but um, more capital than than the last five we've shown you. So we see each of these things is, you know, the Belt and Road is designed on a regional on a regional Belt and Hub base, uh, hub and spoke basis. Uh, we think these five are the second of the spokes, uh, second of the hubs, as we said originally with the uh, Indonesia Malaysia, and we see these these as the uh, these the next ones. And you see already there's a lot of capital that's going to Bahrain earlier this year in terms of seed capital alone. Here's a couple deals so far this year. Uh, one is in and one is food tech in, 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 the, in, the, in the region. Um, that's all I have in terms of slides. I don't know what happened to my, my, uh, my visual, but um, I think that we tried to get through 46 slides in 25 minutes. So, Michael, I'm going to pass it back to you for Q&A.
0: Well, thank you very much, Henry. And uh, what we're gonna do is uh, take those slides back and Peter's gonna try and get your webcam on. Um, Meanwhile, uh, nevertheless, uh, that was a heck of a run through uh, and we really appreciate it. Because I think there's some really uh, very strong uh, theses coming out here. I mean, one of these is that this entire region seems to be a welter of cross investment. Uh, What would you have to say to that then?
1: Well, I, I, I would say, first of all, that um, Singapore was a key co- driver of the success, and Hong Kong were key drivers of success in Indonesia, Malaysia, in and a regional basis. And they could identify the, the keys to success in these other regional markets. So I would say that it's the, the success in Singapore, Malaysia, early days from these investors that suddenly realized this. You can certainly see it in many of these markets that are actually Singapore investors led the file I just put up so yes I, I could I could see that but I also think it's not just that it's also China it's also USA I mean I didn't show this but you know two or three of the big bang the, the Bangladesh VCs this year have all been done by USA so mm-hmm. I think there's this whole misperception that the Belt and Road and, and all these regions are really dominated by China it's just not true I showed you many transactions where you know it's not at all the case I mean None, none of the Uzbekistan M&A had, had U.S. in it, or had, one had China in it. Sorry, one had China, that's it. So I think there's, you know, I'm trying to show that, that investors are global and they realize where there's a, a play to have. And many of them can see this coming because, you know, these are very competitive. Indonesia, Malaysia right now and venture capital are very competitive from an investment banking or venture capital point of view, whereas, um, you know, these are less competitive for the time being. Hence the reason for the webinar.
0: Um, Jonathan Lieb, I was sort of curious. You know, to what extent might Chinese investments be opaque, and thereby exaggerating the extent of other foreign investors? Um, I, I
1: I I have I have not found um, all the numbers I've shown you I could reconcile, and I've not sh- seen anything in here that's that's opaque. Uh, there and uh, the uh, DERAS, the Dara's Dara's data was not originally released uh, um, in Pakistan, but you can find it now. So if you can't find it Im- immediately, I mean, there, there's certainly a number of these transactions, which, you know, there's, you know, not disclosed, that's normal in the West, as well as in China, but everything I've put in here, I've been able to reconcile. Okay. Uh, you Adwina can find Mort- it, it, just t- t- it takes more time.
0: Yeah. Edwina uh, Morton, who uh, knows quite a bit about world trade, as a former master of the world traders. Uh, is uh, points out Japan does a lot of work in Southeast Asia, providing alternative sources of finance rather than China, but is Japan also active in Central, uh, Central Asia?
1: Well, the largest investment to date into Bangladesh on a corporate side is Japan Tobacco. Uh, and there are a series of these venture capital plays where Japan is a player in it. Uh, if you look at how clever uh, if you look at how clever Bangladesh has been financed the last two or three years, you'll see uh, most of the infrastructure financing for Bangladesh the last three years they've gone to Japan from jinga not from China. Uh, and so China has lost those, lost that business um, to yeah. Japan actually. Yeah. And the largest port has ever been uh, awarded to to uh, uh, China um uh, so I, I think that uh, um, I think that, that sh-
0: sorry. A, a lot of the uh, these investments, you know, are, are being compared with Western uh, models. So you know, we we hear about the Uber of every country in every region, for example. Um, do you have any comments on sort of the the quality of some of these? I mean, take Caspi, for instance, which is enormous. Uh, how well does that stack up operationally against a, a typical Western company? We seem to have lost sound. Um, Peter, would it be possible to try and swap to a dial in? a Buyer of Caspian.
1: Caspian is a regional yes, plus, so not I just a market share.
0: My end as well. well. We'll see if we can swap Henry over now.
1: Said, I can see that as, as a
0: reasonable and, way. Henry, we're going to, uh, the dial in option that we uh, was in the email, we're going to try and yeah, I see app- I apologize, folks. It's um, Sometimes it's uh, difficult to think that we're living in a first world country with the Variable internet, quality. so we often get in in Britain. I'm connected, by uh, I've just passed this details on to Henry now. So hopefully, we'll we'll have him back online within the next couple of minutes.
1: Michael, can you hear me? Yes, we
0: can, Henry. Oh, that's good. Welcome back. (laughs) Henry? Yes. Super. Um, So thank you very much. So let's pick up on some of these questions here. Uh, Hugh Purser uh, says, much of the investment mentioned appeared to focus on venture capital, bonds and loans. Uh, What is the most likely exit strategy for VCs?
1: Uh, That's why I was was, uh, spending time on the stock exchanges i can see many of the there have been there have been some exits corporate exits you saw pay me with georgia as a corporate exit and you've seen two corporate exits with uh one pe- fintech and one e-commerce with china but i think the uh, the real issue is going to be on uh through, the, through stock exchanges there's one of the largest uh um fintech companies in bangladesh is likely to, to list the stock exchange this year BD cash is likely to list this year and longer term, I can see Chalkro family, which I mentioned in Kazakhstan, being a very interesting stock stock play for equity investors.
0: Okay. Uh, Hugh, is also interesting. Uh, do you have any key points to make about the regulatory framework in these countries? Uh, um, <laughs> evolving
1: <laughs> is, the, is the answer. Uh, if you look at if that's why I tried to show the macro level look how much change these countries have undergone in the last three years. The the stuff I put up there for the last three years is enormous changes, whether it's connectivity to other countries, whether it's restructuring stock exchanges, whether it's restructuring shareholder ownership, whether it's attracting corporate capital. These are enormous changes. And I think they recognize, as as you would appreciate, you're not going to attract that kind of capital if you can't move towards transparency and liquidity. So I think there's, they're all headed in route at various different uh, speeds to both transparency and liquidity. Hmm. It's just taking time.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot made of, um, in particular, in uh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan, uh, and to a lesser degree the other ones, but I'd stick to Sri Lanka and Pakistan, that the BRI has been kind of a debt trap for them. Um, is there truth in that? And if so, how how does that fact affect, affect the investment landscape in those two countries? Um let's let maybe talk at the high at a high level first.
1: Um in um um in July last year, SAI SAIS Kerry, which is Johns Hopkins University, said that they found no evidence of a debt trap in the 149 billion for Chinese loans. Then we saw in, in August, we saw House saying they could find no evidence. In September, we saw Brookings Institute and they could find no evidence. We found the, the uh, uh, finance minister from, from Sri Lanka saying there's no evidence. Um, and our, our position, we've been tracking those loans since 2008. We could find no evidence. I think what you saw was people uh, accepting those loans on the basis that the returns would come faster than they've come. So the cash flows have not been there to cover them. So, but in terms of loans, I've been on three—I've been on three credit committees of three of the world's largest banks, and I know no bank in the world which has had one default in 640 billion of loans. There's been one default, which everyone hangs on, in which is an error on the part of China to do that. So I do think there's been, and people have learned over time. And if you will right now, you know, it's just people don't understand that. Pakistan it's it, of its 62 billion of loans 53 are already implemented now in terms of projects in Kazakhstan's 51 projects and I think it's 31 billion have also been you know be built or there thereabouts So that's a hundred billion of the of the mountain roads 1 trillion. It's already been really built So the whole purpose of this discussion was to show people they've moved from building these things and or restructuring the debt to actually building the next level, which is Digital Silk Road, above it. So again, the, the cables are built. This is the first round through it, which is basically, uh, as you see, fintech, e-commerce, and those sorts of things. But ultimately, it goes go to the next level, which is once these are all. And, and you, what you haven't, what I haven't talked about is basically China's investment in Kazakhstan and and Uzbekistan in the last two years have been in manufacturing, which then you can. 5G on top of that. So these will all be 5G countries, most likely from Huawei. So if you put that on top of that, you then become mm-hmm. manufacturing and then smart transportation. That's where this, this accelerates in terms of the East much faster than the, the West has any idea and just doesn't want to listen.
0: Hmm. He, he was also curious, uh, can you describe in these five countries, uh, what if any are, are the key restrictions on foreign ownership? Yeah. Well,
1: that's, that, that's it. That's that's why I, I sort of said to you on this. I, I've gone through the M&A piece with you, which is basically you've seen a number of the Uzbekistan. Sorry, almost all the Uzbekistan are, are cross-border deals, and they're they're owned by cross-border owners. Mm. To date, since, since 2019, Kazakhstan, you've seen um, three or four of those I mentioned, and those are actually controlled by foreigners. The most the largest transaction just closed in April of this year uh with the netherlands that's uh, 2.75 billion it's the biggest mm-hmm. one done to date, in the aix the biggest one down to date in the lse but it was acquired by the dutch and it worked so i i think i i don't see any restrictions to that um in fact i would say one of the worries i have or concerns is that as as these things evolve so quickly i'm not sure domestic regulators understand how fast this could move and i don't think there are that many protections put in these documents yet where people will come in and just swap. And these are, you know, these are very sophisticated investors throughout the world that can that know how to, how to move and move quickly before these assets are actually acquired by foreigners. I don't think the protections are in place yet. It's moving too fast.
0: Hmm. And how do the how does the I mean you know these these larger tech plays depend on a large consumer base, the 5G you spoke about, et cetera. Um, how does the level of, say, GDP per capita in each country compare with the aspirations of these firms when they compare themselves with Western tech firms?
1: Uh, another excellent question. So basically, many of these five years ago were simply frontier markets. <laughs> it's moving so fast now. A lot of those are no longer frontier players. plays now. They're, they're emerging markets plays, right? And these economies are going to change over time. So I think you know, the whole thing is in, in flux. The reason to flag it now is because you, you know, you, we're still five or ten years behind one of the quotes from Pegasus, it's a very smart group of venture capital players, saying Bangladesh is only four years behind Indonesia. Mm. That's how fast this is catching up. And, 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 they, and they have, I think, 25 million invested in five or six different ways, if not more, already in Bangladesh. So that's their view of the speed of this moving. So I, I think the prior question or some more relevant question is, do the regulators in these places have an idea how fast this can move? And I, I don't think so.
0: Hmm. Well, another, another question that I think comes up with a lot of people is uh, in the West, we've seen the rise of the Czech giants, uh, but these giants have ranged quite widely across numerous countries. So, you know, across the EU and America in particular, uh, and then they seem to be hitting some of these boundary uh, issues with China uh, and the Great Wall and uh, relationships there. But are these uh, texts that are emerging in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and Pakistan, are are they going to be able to converge? Are they going to be kept effectively as national champions? What 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 would prevent them operationally merging?
1: I I think they're I think. The belt and Road is designed as as as, as I know oh yes uh as have spoke, now, these are regional plays, so I see this a lot of these are regional hubs playing i mentioned I mentioned before maybe I didn't mention, but I should have mentioned Kazakhstan's recent movement uh visit to Dubai. The question is how do we build an ag fund between the two of us for a regional basis? so a lot of these are regional funds being built, and I don't see a lot of intervention from China. I mean China was early in Pakistan with two moves. Um and a small move this year in Bangladesh, but that's that's it from a strategic point of view in, in terms of all these technology moves. Um, although they are building infrastructure. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of these are regional plays. I just there's no evidence of China mucking around with the, the regional plays. That's you know, we track a, a separate discussion for a separate day. So we track all that, that global investment from Alibaba, Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. Those are mostly in Western. Uh, in many in Western or, or small Asian places, there I've seen no evidence of Tencent or Alibaba in uh, in these five markets. Hmm.
0: No. Um, one of the great successes in Europe uh, in terms of investment was UCITS uh, on, on collective investments, which allowed effectively a passport uh, for one to raise raise funds across Europe and get that out into the retail market as well as as so we're seeing here a lot of savvy big investors coming in and making these plays, but it's going to broaden out. It needs to get into the generalized funds. Uh, there was a lot of discussion, uh, I think about five years ago, in uh, emanating from Korea down to Australia about a Pan-Asian funds passport, which I, I don't think is really quite taken off in that way. Are there any discussions about some kind of Central Asia funds passport to open up Uh, the capital markets and remove some of those barriers
1: i I mentioned briefly in that in those documents that they're you're they're now starting to see retail players in these markets early days yet still early days yet but back to your point about etfs i think there's just been a partnership announced between the stock exchange and the korean stock exchange on Mm -hmm. etfs just i think it was last week or very very, very, not too long ago but the region they're still behind at at this level but they are Find a way to attract regional, uh, to local, uh, local retail players. as the next step. Again, most of these places didn't have an angel, didn't have an angel network, so it's because the stock
0: exchanges are performing so aggressively uh, that people are actually starting to put money in this locally. Hmm. Okay. Um, just time, um, if we have for, for, for one kind of final question. Um, I mean, you. Very kindly uh, volunteered to do this and to really update um, our community on what's happening, and it is amazing. You know, but so we've we've always had this idea of Singapore is frankly very mature, uh, and then you've positioned Malaysia, which is also quite mature, with Indonesia. So I, I've I found that that interesting. And you've now led us into five other countries, plus of course Mena, which 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 is moving. Um, in your opinion, the savvy investor would try and find ways to get into some of these emerging economies. Uh, do you have any kind of general tips for, for, for our audience in terms of where they ought to focus their attention? Because it's a big, broad region and you can't cover it all. Well, you do, but we can't.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, the, the reason I, I put it the order I, I put it, I think, near uh, and, I, and Pegasus, I think, is a very strong message saying this this is not going to last long in Bangladesh it's gonna ha- be the same level of pricing that you're gonna get in Indonesia in a very short period of time, right? And I think the same is true for my friends in Sri Lanka. And I think that and I think Pakistan is also heavily banked now. Uh, I think it, Pakistan had two venture capital funds in 2016 and now 27 at the year in 2020. That's how fast money's chasing this stuff. Wow. Right, it's just, and I have a client probably on the phone one of you guys listening today, who was trying to raise money from UK investors about this and they, they scratch their heads saying, you must be joking, this can't be happening. Well, actually it is happening. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a long way away and it sounds a bit odd because the country risk you have to take and, and all that regulatory risk you're talking about before. But I don't know, I, I, I look at the way to do this is of local partners. You know, I've, men- I've mentioned a couple already. I think big cash. Bangladesh is going to be a real star, and I'm on the record saying that today. And I think that uh, Taco family and Kazakhstan is going to be a real star. So I would, if I had friends in Kazakhstan or I had friends in Bangladesh, I would be talking to those those uh, those companies. And there are a number of those like that in those funds. And that's why I gave you the names of the funds that are sitting on these uh, different different countries to to incubate this. So stay tuned. Otherwise. I wouldn't have done all this work to, to sort of put it all there for people to
0: see. We'll, we'll see. Well, thank you so much, Henry. And I think it's a, it's a real illustration of what people often forget, which is the the sigmoid curve that is in so much of finance, and you've got to catch it at its two inflection points, and the the, the steep rise is a is a very short period. And I think a lot of us have looked at these developing countries as kind of s- stable i don't mean the sense of politically i mean it's kind of a stable sort of slightly boring investment and now that it's getting exciting it really is time to pay attention and i appreciate you shining a torch on all of this and saying look here which is very helpful um folks again some some apologies for the quality of the audio in the middle we're not sure what happened but there is variable internet quality as you'll know in the united kingdom but i need to give three quick rounds of thanks uh, firstly to our sponsors who are extremely kind and generous and allowing us to range, in this case, across most of Asia in a morning while we sit at our desks. Uh, Secondly, I'd like to thank you, the audience, for your kind contributions uh, and feed into this discussion. And Henry, I'd also like to thank you because I know that you've really gone out and done a a lot of hard work, but are also sharing a tremendous amount of effectively proprietary information, uh, really just to help the FS Club community. And for for that, we, we also appreciate it. Unfortunately, as you know, I'm unable to open the floodgates of applause, but I do bring along uh, to all of these meetings. This is from East East Asia. This is my Korean karmic clapper, but ho- hopefully it goes from Korea to Kazakhstan and says, so Thank you very much, Henry. And we hope to have you back as this very exciting area moves very swiftly. Thank you
1: very much, Michael, and to, to all for their time this morning. Thank you.